All right, back with another episode. So I'll get to start off with a little bit of history. And um, firstly, I, I thought this was interesting. It wasn't very specific, but on this day in, well, I put 1924. It's actually 1929. The first regular there, the first regularly scheduled TV broadcast broadcast begins, and they happen three times, three nights a week. So. Um, but yeah, the source that I looked at didn't really specify what that was, and even looking it up was kind of difficult to find, but still thought that was interesting. And then, on this day in 1969, the famed comedy troupe um, Monty Python, which includes John Cleese, uh, formed, and they're behind Monty Python and Holy Grail, uh, Flying Circus, Life of Brian, they have a whole bunch of movies that are just kind of... Um, just silly and funny and they've been around for so long and um, so many people like them they have kind of, kind of like a, a cult following yeah definitely I remember my friend childhood friend loved them and I think we always watched the Holy Grail and he always made references that uh, <laughs> specific one All right Brandon likes film. Lauren prefers TV. Together, they chronicle life in a peak entertainment era. Welcome to It's a Streamable Life. Uh, let's first start off saying happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. And if you're hearing this, then we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Today's feature presentation will highlight the everlasting situation comedy. Um, an article from the Rolling Stone recently elected the best 100 sitcoms of all time. So we'll review the list, give our favorites, and discuss what is so enduring about this 26-minute medium. But first, let's get to this week's headlines. So first up, the latest on the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's fallout. Um, NBC has announced that they will not be airing the Golden Globes in 2022. Yeah. Um, They feel that the HFPA has a lot to work, a lot of work to do to sort of repair and restructure its infrastructure. Um, As we all know now, several details of sort of their inequities with members and other um, infractions are casting a bad light on, on the nonprofit organization. So NBC will not be airing um, the ceremony next year until those reforms are du- dutifully made. And, um, you know, the HFPA, you know, responded in the statement um, saying that they're, you know, dedicated to changing and also gave out a timeline. So NBC, NBC is hopeful that they can, you know, return to airing the ceremony in 2023, but it will not be on NBC yeah. next year. And they actually have been airing the Golden Globe since 1993. So a big difference. Um, in other news, the CW is looking to reboot Legends of the Hidden Temple. This was the 90s uh, game show for kids on Nickelodeon. Um, and it says that they're, it's being produced by the same people who did the original. They're bringing back most of the um, classic uh, char- well, characters, but format of the show, but they're upping, upping the ante. I think it'll be for young adults, maybe a little bit older, and they're also um, increasing the challenges and upping the prizes. So it'll definitely be a modern format. Uh, twist to the classic game show for kids okay and then finally in a surprising partnership amazon's wondry and apple are joining forces to release premium podcast offerings so um in the world of podcasting spotify is king and i see this as sort of like maneuver to sort of uh mark more territory as Apple um, is getting to the premium podcast space and Amazon just purchased Wondery maybe a few years ago. Um, so Wondery will have premium podcasts up here on Apple's format. 
And Amazon uh, says that, you know, they expect future dealings and expansion of Wondery on the app. So like one of the, the podcasts will be like $5.99 on Apple once that premium thing starts. Um, I'm pretty sure Spotify is getting to premium podcasts as well, but they made sure to let everyone know that the creators will get all the proceeds. So okay. should be interesting what, what happens with that because Amazon just normally does not like Apple. So yeah. okay, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, let's see what I have here. Uh, first, Steve McQueen, the director, is going to create a three-part series um, for BBC, and it's based on the events that he uh, dramatized in in his small acts films on Amazon. So uh, those are all the the Brixton riots and all those things that happened in the early 80s. And um, there's like a lot, I think there's deaths of black teenagers. There's a lot of different things when I read the the article that he's gonna cover, but it's actually going to be a docu-series where we'll, you know, learn about it. So I'm kind of excited for that. Hopefully we're able to see it somehow since this is BBC, but, um, you know, hopefully they do something with BBC America. We'll see, but, he usually puts out really good stuff, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, secondly, in more HFPA news, uh, Tom Cruise has returned his three Golden Globe trophies in a form of protest. So, uh, take that. It's definitely made. Yeah, yeah, it's big, it's big. So, um, I'm not sure how that goes down i guess you just walk back with the trophies <laughs> i'm not really sure but <laughs> so here you go but um yeah that's pretty big from somebody as big as tom cruise you know so that that is that's notable that's definitely notable and um interesting and like you said we'll just keep our eyes on the on what's happening with the hollywood foreign press because um it's it's not going well for them no. um and, Lastly, Seth Rogen has come out and said that he will no longer work with James Franco and um, hasn't in some time, apparently. Uh, As you know, the two of them are really, really good friends. And then I want to say in 2018, just a slew of sexual misconduct allegations came out against James Franco, um, most of them from younger women, women that he was conning with his acting school. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, he and James Franco have been friends. I mean, he and Seth Rogen have been friends since they're both on, you know, uh, Freaks and Geeks or whatever. They've been friends for a while. So um, it's kind of big for him to come out. But it is also coming out after Seth Rogen was called out for not saying thing initially. So Right. He was um, very numb. Yeah. Yeah. He's come out and, and said that, you know, I was wrong to do this and, you know, I won't work with them now. So. Um, that's big, and hopefully he sticks to his word. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see how that that plays out. Franco has definitely been MIA, of course. Yeah. Um, since the story broke, so we'll just see what what happens in the future. We'll move on to trailer things, where there seem to be a lot uh, coming up all at once uh, on the trailer front. From most looks like mostly films and some TV. So go ahead and start. Okay, uh, this one interested me because I love food and I'm a black person. So this, uh, <laughs> these two things mixed together. But Netflix has a new series coming out called High on the Hog, How African-American Cuisine Transformed America. And that pretty much covers it. I think they're going to go through kind of like even hit back at slave times and just what slaves had to do for food and how that grew and changed over the years. And to what we know now and um, just how our food is celebrated and kind of, you know, do we still, it's always separated from, I guess, what you consider American cuisine, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that you can go to any major city in the United States and find soul food restaurants everywhere. Exactly. I'm uh, I'm interested in watching that and um, I'm sure I'll definitely be hungry during it, but. I'll check that out. Secondly, and this one is kind of 
it's kind of spooky timing. The Oslo, which is about the Oslo Peace Accords, which is about the peaceful kind of like uh, kind of like a, a peacetime agreement between Israel and Palestine. Uh, the HBO dropped a full trailer for it, Oslo, and we see a little bit more of Ruth Wilson and uh, everything that's going on, and Andrew Scott, her partner in this in this movie, and it looks pretty good. And this is out on May 29th. And um, when I saw it hit my queue for uh, for YouTube, I was kind of like, wow, this really couldn't have dropped at a better time or a worse time, depending on how you look at it. But um, right. They I'm sure they I mean, there yeah. was probably, probably some of the planning. But yeah, the things going on in Israel right now with Palestine is, is right. horrific. So, yeah. So yeah, this gives us more of a look exactly of um, what's going on and kind of what to expect more in depth. And it, it looks pretty good. So that's that's May 29th that that comes out. Alrighty. And then for uh, me, I caught uh, <clears throat> quite a few uh, film trailers. But first up, I want to get to the shortest trailer. Last week, we got the first teaser for the long delayed uh, season four of Stranger Things. Yeah. And it didn't say much. It just referenced, you know, um, sort of Eleven's past growing up in that um, laboratory and uh, um, referenced that Dr. Uh, Brennan is returning. So that's pretty much all it said. It didn't give a date, nothing. Okay. So we'll, yeah. we'll just have to see what happens. This is going to be odd because they're like, uh, they're not adults, but they're, <laughs> they've yeah, got in there. Yeah. So we'll have just have to see what the setup is. It's, it's right. been so long since a new season of Stranger Things was on TV. Uh, but film wise, we got the first official trailer for Dev Patel's The Green Knight, which yeah. has been buzzing since, I don't know, two or three years ago. A long time. Yes. And this is from A24. Um, it's supposed to hit theaters this summer, but it I believe it's based on some like story, like fictional tale. Yeah, I, I'm I'm genuinely don't know. But from what I can tell from the trailer, Dead Patel plays you know a certain knight who decides to go on the quest to sort of defeat this uh, tree villain creature. Um, and being that's a twenty four, you know, cinematography is beautiful. It has a of heavy heart art sorry art direction to it i'm not your average medieval tale but i know there's a lot of hype around this so we're finally getting closer to seeing it um and then the sequel to venom trailer came out starring tom hardy and woody harrelson this is venom let the car let there be carnage yeah um venom was an okay movie it, it was just fine and in this sequel, we've got uh, Hardy's Eddie Brock investigating, I guess, the arrival of this other villain who is possessed by the same symbiote uh, creature that he is, but meaner, I guess you'd say. I can't really remember how they introduced Carnage in the, in the first one for there to be a sequel, but it looks like everyone's returning. Michelle Williams. Um, the Asian lady from, from the grocery store. So it looks like a fun time. And it just said only in theaters, but there's no release date yet. Okay. And then finally, the newest uh, trailer, I read about this randomly, but um, the movie called The Protégé, starring Maggie Q, Michael Keaton, and Samuel L. Jackson. And it's from the people that did John Wick and it's directed by the director of Casino Royale, the James Bond uh, film. Wow. And Maggie plays an assassin who has basically, who was basically raised by Samuel Jackson. And when he's murdered, she goes on a quest of vengeance. And Michael Keaton's like a frenemy adversary type person that she's going to encounter. So it, it looks, it looks pretty good. They used um, Amy Winehouse's, you know, I'm no good in the yeah. trailer so it's it looks flames okay cool cool
now we would get to a short brief streams of the week yeah um like i said not not too much watched but i did watch this movie blow the man down which was in oh my goodness it's been my amazon prime lineup for for a good few months probably since the beginning of since the end of last year i said i would say but um it's it's a movie about two sisters who live in a small uh fishing town in in maine and their mother has passed away and at the at the funeral one sister finds out that um you know their fishing business is is tanking and that the mother took out a loan against the house to save the business and then she spouts out of control well for that moment she's just upset she goes drinking she drinks with this guy this guy gives off bad vibes and um she like opens his trunk and sees bloody clothes so she freaks out and then she kills this guy and so then <laughs> the rest of the movie you know she tells her sister they get rid of the body and then the rest of the movie is just kind of unraveling this little town and there's more bad characters and more cd people than what you know they're pers- like than what you would imagine but it's a uh, it's real funny it's like i would say it's I say it's more of a dark comedy than anything, but it it was decent. I liked it. Okay, I definitely saw. Remember seeing the adverts for that? Right, it's been on there for a while. Alrighty, um, well, I watched a Netflix film Monster, and this film was actually probably filmed back in 2017 because it premiered at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival. <laughs> So it's been a minute, um, and it's based on the Walter Dean Myers novel. It starred Kevin Harrison Jr. as Steve Harmon, a young Black youth with a promising future ahead of him as he awaits graduating college, graduating high school to go to college. And unfortunately, he's one of the prime suspects in a robbery that's going to rise as um, the bodega owner was shot and killed. And it really investigates, you know, sort of the justice system and just the um, sort of precarious way we can be influenced without knowing it. Um, And just what sort of influences that you're around, nature versus nurture. Um, So it it was a decent film. It also starred uh, Jeffrey Wright, Jennifer Hudson, Aesop Rocky, Nas, mm. and John David Washington. So mm. it's really short. Yeah, it's definitely a good cast. The movie is about hour 39 minutes. So you can definitely uh, check it out in a quick afternoon. So that's on Netflix. Mm, yeah, that's the perfect time right there. I those I watched something the other day, it was like 2 30, 2 40, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no concessions. So the film I picked for No Concessions is called Invisible Life. Uh, and this, I'll just give a quick rundown because this movie has layers. But um, it, it takes place in the 1950s in Rio de Janeiro. And there are two sisters who live in a very strict conservative family under like a heavy, heavy patriarchal rule in this community. But they want to break out. One sister wants to play the piano and another sister uh, just wants to be a free young woman just to just do what she wants. She's more sexual than her other sister. But, um, you know, as life goes on, they're kind of, they're split up and they're told that their sister, each one of them is told that their other sister is like, you know, worlds away doing this and that when that's not um, exactly the right. case yeah okay so hmm. it, it it's got a little it's a little long but it, it's oh it's worth it i think um roger and ebert their website gave it four out of five stars and um i think it hit the festival circuit when it first came out in like 2019 but uh yeah i just happened to see it and then like i i, I saw it put in my list on amazon prime and then I kept seeing people mention it and kept seeing like write-ups about it. So I was like, you know what? Let me just sit and watch this. So I finally did. And uh, it was it was really good. 
All right, good. So Invisible Life, you can catch it on Amazon Prime. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be discussing our NLT segments and get into our feature presentation. Welcome back. And it's now our time for our NLT segment where we discuss the TV shows we're watching together weekly. Uh, first up, we will start with HBO's Mayor of Easttown, uh, the limited series starring Kate Winslet. And this is episode four, Poor Sisyphus. I hope I said that right. Uh, yeah, Sisyphus. Yes. Right. And I just did some referencing, so I knew who Sisyphus was. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's part of Greek mythology. And he was a king of Corinth and was sort of like a trickster known for um, cheating death twice. Yeah. And ultimately, uh, Zeus banished him to Hades um, for a, to a life of pushing a rock up and down a mountain. Yeah. yeah. So what do we think of episode four of Mare of Easttown? Um, we learned a bit. We learned. a. Uh, how do I say this? I felt like we learned a lot. But at the end of the episode, I wasn't like blown right. away. Right. Not the same way I was when we they left us with that cliffhanger. But I mean, we learned that somebody is capturing these girls and keeping them in a pub. Uh, we learned that the uh, what's his name, the priest, definitely has something to do with all this shit. Right, Deacon Mark has has a nefarious past, correct? Yeah, and uh, I don't know. We we learned a lot, but yeah, at the end of the episode, I was still like, "Huh, I could have had more." I, you know, I, I still wanted more. I guess I should say. Yeah, the the episode definitely gave us a lot of information, but there wasn't the same sort of level of uh, sus suspense or gravitas as I was expecting. Right, um, absolutely. It was it was definitely more of a learn more about these characters. We learn a little bit more about uh, Peter's character. Yeah. Um, more about Mare and her sort of the way she sort of has spiraled since Kevin's death. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much it. And of course, we learn more about Aaron exactly right. what was transpiring um, to connect her with the other missing girls yeah i just before we get into it i would i want to fight dylan is that his name yeah yes. i want to fight him and i want to fight his parents because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're pussies i don't understand how yeah. he can tell y'all to do something and y'all just do it as if right. he birthed y'all <laughs> like this man is laying on his back cooped up and he's he's just punking them i'm like you gotta be kidding yeah, it's very strange, but yeah. you know, culture of whiteness. Yeah. Um, so we open with you know, Mayor suffering the consequences of her actions, uh, planning the heroin on Carrie. Yeah, so she's been suspended. Um, and part of her suspension is she has to go to counseling. So we get they're finally going to a therapist, we don't get much from that. Yeah. But we know she's she's starting. Um, in the meantime, Collins uh, is now in charge of the Aaron investigation. They appoint him a an assistant, and I haven't seen that uh, actor in a while. He's definitely yeah aged, but um, he's in charge. And instead of sort of partnering with his new partner, he finds Mayor or Mayor finds him because they just. Yeah. No reason can't stay apart. They've got the chemistry. Uh, we find out neither Frank nor Dylan is Aaron's baby's father. And this sort of stirs, stirs them to look deeper um, into the investigation. You know, they return to Deacon Mark as uh, uh, Collins questions why he was transferred and how pretty soon it's going to be public knowledge, yeah. uh, which eventually it does become public knowledge. So he's definitely hiding something. Um, in that same vein, as is all going on, I believe the episode opened with this new girl 
correct? Uh, Am I wrong? I'm trying to think. It was somewhere in the beginning. Yeah, you're talking about the girl in the van? Yes. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, some yeah, you're right. It was somewhere in the beginning. Yeah, uh girl's name Missy, and of course it seems like she's a an escort. Mm-hmm. Um and this sort of this John has gone wrong. Um the gentleman you know chokes her. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the scene. So we're establishing that there's some type of serial attacker right. um, in the mist. Um and we also get a lot more information about Dawn Bailey, Katie Bailey's mother. Yeah. Um, which I, it th- that was the part that was supposed to sort of get us hype. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think it did a good job. Um, so she gets a call, random call of a guy promising to tell her where Katie is if she can get him five thousand dollars. And you know she's going back and forth on this. Finally, she decides to meet with him. Um, she gets uh, Beth, Bethany, to watch her grandson. Mm-hmm. And she's called to meet this guy in an empty warehouse. And once the encounter happens, you know, he hits her, takes her purse with the money, and runs out. She chases him just to find out that. It is Bethany's brother. Yeah. Which kind of made sense um, as the voice on the voice on the phone sounded like a black person. <laughs> yeah. It did. So uh, it's actually Freddie. And he was out, you know, to score some money. And luckily, Don, you know, she was going to double cross whoever this person was. She never got the money, which is wads of paper. And he yeah. apologized before running off, but um that that was just a a sad realization for her ultimately yeah yeah but you knew something was coming because whenever he's shown he he kind of he kind of does something right when she was uh where was she she was at she she stopped at their house yeah that's right and um he was there so yeah because he's back living in Beth's basement and she just she feels that he's safer there because we learned that he had OD'd random on the street. So, and I'm glad they're sort of highlighting a well a black heroin addict because some reason yeah yeah the narrative is like opioids only affect white America yeah that's true. But black people in these rural areas and these small towns that are suffering probably worse than. Um, we get back to Mayor, and Drew's actually supposed to spend the night with his mother, mm-hmm. and that's something that no one's really happy about, but, you know, it's happening, um, and ultimately he, he can't sleep, stay there because he can't go to sleep without his, uh, frog, turtle, turtle, yeah. Yeah. turtle Kevin, <laughs> so she reluctantly brings drew back and there carrie just basically says i know it was you i'm trying to get my life together just stop messing with me Uh, we also got that quick flashback mayor had um with the situation with kevin um it seemed like he was an addict as well yeah and i think that on top of the mental um health issues he had kind of he went downhill, but yeah, from that, it, it did seem, the little clip, it seemed like he was an addict. Yeah, so we're not, we're sort of slowly getting the whole story of their sort of dysfunction and how it all came about. Yeah. Um, we also got a scene with Colin and his mother at dinner, mm-hmm. and this is where Mayor comes over to sort of, um, recruit him to do some more heavy lifting in the investigation. Um, This is where the first inkling where we get the sense that, you know, Zabel might think something more of Mayor. Yeah. And his mom is definitely sort of trying to push that. We know he's a recent ex-fiance and whatnot. So um, I don't know if I like that. I don't, 
Nah, it's gonna, I think, come back and go to their faces and not be good. Yeah, you don't date coworkers. That's just not yeah. what you do. Especially, yeah, just no. Um, so they go to sort of connect the dots between Aaron and these other missing girls. Um, Mayor did her, where did she get this video footage from her, From uh, Aaron's phone? I guess, yeah, I'm not really sure. So she learns that, you know, she had journals and whatnot and she started yeah. putting pieces together. So they go back to talk to Aaron's friend, Jessica. Mm -hmm. And Jessica reveals that Aaron was on um, an escort website to pay for her child's surgery because yeah. Dylan wasn't going to give her the money and she needed the money. So this is the correlation between the other two victims. Both were um, sex workers and we learned that Aaron was too. So now we have a serial rapist or attacker lurking within the city. I think one, my favorite part about that is that um, <laughs> the website was called Side Door, kind of like back page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought that was funny. Was like, yeah. <laughs> um, then apart from on that, we got this thing with Savan and her new boo and Becca. Yeah. Which I guess was just sort of like a, I don't know. Just like a break from the other stuff. But, but in this show, man, I don't know. What I've learned so far is that you can't trust anyone. I'm just like, okay, maybe... The black girl at the college did it. Hell, I don't know. Like, right, right. Like, why is she in this? Right. In the story. Um, so you know, we learned that Savon's broken up with Becca. You know, it just didn't work out. She's on a date with I didn't catch this girl's name at all. Uh damn. Yeah. But they're on a date and she's a bit older than Savon. I think she's in college, actually. Yeah, yeah. And Becca uh just arrives at Savon's house unannounced, wanting to apologize. And Graham's there, you know, trying to get her ice cream on. <laughs> um, she told her to just wait in the basement. That's when Becca and her new uh, date return or hooking up. And Becca just happens to find them. The whole just chaos erupts. And fortunately, Graham gets knocked into the wall by the door. Becca running out the house. So she goes to the hospital just to get settled down or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that was just sort of, I guess, just like a, another part of the dysfunction in the family. Yeah. And that's the thing that confuses me about this show. There's so much stuff added in that I guess it's just filler to make the episodes pass along. But you really do have to pay attention. Like, is there something here I should be gathering? Like, what's going right. on? Right. Um, so that happens. Mayor rides with her mom to the hospital. And I think that's the last thing we see before the final scene, which we are reunited with Missy in the van. And uh, we see some unfaced gentlemen throw her into like a makeshift prison or lair somewhere. She's screaming, banging on the door, and we hear a voice say, no one can hear you. And she turns, asks, who are you? And she says, I'm Katie, I'm Katie Bailey. So Katie's been alive all this time and just trapped in this, this dungeon, prison, that this guy has made. I have no idea who this guy is, but. And I think another telling scene is, well, it's, it's, a, it's a scene that kind of, it's a scene that could seem like nothing but when that little boy went into his parents room mayor's friend yeah and he's sitting there looking at the television he knows something and then because in the trailer for next week we see what would be his uncle again hiding a gun and being shady so mm. I, I i'm thinking that little boy saw something and his uncle is still part of it like Probably. i might my thing is, I think it's like a ring. Definitely. Men. I don't think it's just the priest. I think it is like oh, a group. Syndicate, yeah. Because yeah. he looked like he knew, which, I mean, he probably does know them, but he still looked alarmed, like. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and uh, his uncle was, was definitely acting shady when 
no Aaron disappeared and then Dylan got right. shot. Right. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, as much as I hate Dylan, I did, you know, appreciate, I guess he's softening up to this child. Yeah. And that one scene where you think he's going to suffocate him with a pillow. <laughs> that threw me, but um, yeah, so maybe he's coming around to just being a father in general, because right. you know it's not his kid. Um, you know, it's really the only thing he has left of Aaron. So so we'll be awaiting episode five next week. I'm not sure how long long this series is, but well, they said that there's only three more episodes left. Okay, so a, a nice seven. Yeah, which is weird, but it it flashed when um at the beginning of the trailer for the next week, I think so. Okay. All right. Now, for something completely different, we'll go to FX's pose with episode three entitled The Trunk. And this episode felt like, you know, pose of of years past. Um, We get, you know, the backstory of Electra um, as, you know, sins from her past come to haunt her when um, these the crackdown on, you know, unsavory activities from Rudy Giuliani finds Electra in prison for her, um, what you call it? Phone sex operation thing. Yeah, phone sex operation. And, you know, she she seems pretty confident until the police say they'll get a search warrant for her apartment. And that's when she goes in panic mode because, as you remember, she has the trunk of the client's dead body inside. So she calls Blanca to get the trunk out of there. And we just get flashbacks of, you know, why that trunk is so important to them and how it was when at one point the only you know, possession they had. So mm-hmm. what did you think of episode three? Um, I enjoyed it. It was, like you said, you learn more about her and, well, her whole family including the family she came from and the family that she made and just everybody's background and uh, it was still fun Mm. and I thought the opening scenes were really good when you saw Lecture coming back from working on the streets and um, and then she went back home and dealt with her mother so that was that was really good yeah yeah I I really enjoyed it um great opening I love seeing you know the whole game back together we got Angelica Ross back as Candy um and cubby back as well jesse mcclain's character um as we saw like the origin story of house of abundance um electra and those one-liners are just they're they're great but she also exudes why you know why blanca is the mother she is because electra was the mother that she was to her right right um uh, any other scenes stand out to you in this episode particular in particular uh, i'm trying to think there were just some funny lines to our, the way they delivered when they come out and um electra is bailed out and she sees blanca's boyfriend calls him doogie hauser <laughs> and then that had me laugh and i was like that's funny um but no i mean it was it was all good it was i think it would have been interesting to see and i guess we did at the end but to see more interaction between them and um, and Prey back then, but it wasn't really his story. So, and it right. looks like we're getting that next week. So. Right, right. Um, it, it felt like an episode we could have gotten in season one or two. Yeah, yeah. Just because Electra is like a favorite on this on the show. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved the ballroom scene at the end. Um, it just felt like old pose because the first two episodes were a little. A little rocky. Yeah, they were. So I think it's it, back through its groove with with yeah. this. I really enjoyed it. Um, like you said, episode four is supposed to focus on Pray Tell returning home to sort of bid his farewell to his family as you know he he's aware that his life is sort of coming to to its final chapters because uh, right. of his positive um, uh, AIDS diagnosis. Right. Um, and the supporting cast in this episode looks pretty strong. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His parents. I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so Rev's a little synopsis, you know, he's going to go back, sort of uh, reconcile the relationship with his mother, his relationship with the church, and relationship with Norm Lewis's character, who is was a former lover, but who went back into the closet, yeah. um, it appears, so he could, you know, be some sort of authority figure in the church. Right, um, right which is very common, you know, people are gay everywhere. It's just, just a thing. So I'm um, looking forward to that. And we will have uh, three episodes after next week of Pose Left. So yes. we'll be see how this wraps up. I did want to ask, there was a lot of people on Twitter who appreciated Blanca's boyfriend's uh, sentiments and sort of supporting her. But a lot of people think there's going to be a shoe to fall with that character, like he's going to sort of turn. I I feel the same way. I think he he's like too good to be true. He's a he's a doctor. He comes from a well-off family. He is dating a trans woman and has absolutely no problems. He's proud of it. And it just seems like something's going to happen. Yeah, something failed. Just, just a little too, too perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So we will have to see. Yep. Uh, let's see. Mayor of Easttown airs Sunday nights at ten on HBO, and Pose airs Sunday nights at ten on FX. Yep. All right. Now we'll get to our feature presentation where we will discuss the situation comedy. Um, for some reason, I did not realize till today that sitcom stood for situation comedy. <laughs> I had never put that together before, um, but yes. Uh, situational comedy term didn't actually exist until around the 1950s. So okay. that was sort of when the genre of comedy half hour episodes sort of first came to light. You know. Um, the narrative form actually started on radio, of course, because there was no television. So yeah. you had shows like Amos and Andy that moved from radio to TV and just sort of birthed a new way of entertainment, especially here in the United States. And as the years went on, you got more shows. Um, you know, in the 1950s, you had the debut of I Love Lucy. Right. Uh, the Andy Griffith show, you know, TV soon became colorized. Uh, as we move into the 60s, you got the Dick Van Dyke show, which is one of the most herald, you know, sitcoms of all time. Yeah. Um, and in the 70s, you sort of, the sitcoms became more than just vehicles of comedy. You, you got a little mix of social commentary, um, given the climate and the time. So you had shows like MASH, um, rise to the ranks. Yeah. Uh, Norman Lear's run of series on the family, Good Times, Jefferson, Sanford and Son. And they became more diverse as well. Yeah. Um, and then the 80s is when we kind of got away from um, again, the just pure funny where um, you kind of got into the comedy not what well, the dramedy arena yeah. so you had uh shows with like this very special episode um, yeah <laughs> always addressed like a social issue so we got the cosby show in 84 um and more diversity as we got into the 90s within living color fresh prince of bel-air and you also got animated series yeah. throughout yeah. the 90s um the simpsons family guy daria the sitcom just sort of explored new venues and different ways of art telling. Yeah. Um, in, and in the 2000s, HBO sort of reached a fever pitch um, with, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, you had Sex in the City. So the sitcom became a little bit more prestige, a little more scandalous on these cable networks. Um, and to, to get to today where, you know, the <laughs> excuse me, the traditional sitcom is, you know, somewhat still a thing on broadcast, but um, you definitely have a different view of the sitcom. You have shows like Parks and Recreation, New yeah. Girl, 
uh, more single camera sitcoms than the multi-camera and in front of a studio audience with a laugh track. But um, it's still very present present today and probably one of the most easiest uh, productions for, for television to do, albeit, you know, COVID making it yeah. more difficult nowadays. But um, yeah, so out of this 100 best sitcoms of all time list, um, there were definitely some favorites of mine on here. Yeah. Um, just from 100 to 51, there was, you know, Insecure, A Different World, Living Single, um, I remember WKRP Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, even some more recent ones, The Bernie Mac Show. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> classic. Uh, the One Day at a Time, the reboot version. Yeah. Um, and then classics like, you know, The Jeffersons, The Golden Girls, um, and uh, The Cosby Show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what were some of your favorites? Um, I had I had a few. Uh I had It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, that's been a favorite of mine for some time now. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, Bob's Burgers. I feel like I talk about Bob's Burgers all the time on this podcast. Uh, Atlanta was in the top portion. Yeah. Um, Roseanne, the Fresh Prince, and... Um, oh, and oh, you already said Bernie Mac. But yeah, so those, those are some of my favorites. Yeah, and as you get higher on the list, we've got the top 10 here. Yes. Um, so number 10 was The Larry Sanders Show, which ran from 92 to 98 on HBO. Right. I remember this, but I know I've never seen an episode. Right. So I think that was sort of like a, almost like a, not mockumentary, but sort of type of show where they were... Um, Hitting fun at late night television. Yeah. Then number nine, Parks and Recreation. Um, I've never watched this season. I might go back and watch the show because I didn't watch it while it was airing, but I've heard great things. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, here in Indianapolis, they absolutely loved it. God, they would not shut up about that show. Because <laughs> it's supposed Every, to be based in Indiana, right? Yeah. And the news, whenever they mentioned Indianapolis, <laughs> In the show, they would talk about it on the news the following day and say, like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, let's see. Number eight was The Honeymooners, a classic. Uh, yeah. And the thing is only ran for a year on CBS, 55 to 56. Mm. That's that's crazy. But that's, you know, one of the originators, you know, you get you don't have like King of Queens or even maybe Home Improvement without The Honeymooners that sort of made those arch type characters the right, you know, right. husband the wife his noodle friend and girlfriend you know we see that format over and over again number seven the mary tyler moore show yeah. um, i remember watching this on nick at night yes <laughs> a hilarious series and definitely a uh trailblazer for women in television yeah, for sure. Um, you had a woman co-starring where, you know, she was a career woman. She was single, independent, um, something that was unheard of before on television. Number six was MASH. Uh, definitely a, a dramedy as, you know, we, we explore the lives of soldiers during the Korean War. Um, I've never really seen a whole episode, you know, by the time this show would air it was bedtime so yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the good night uh then we have the top five we got norman lear's all in the family um talk about groundbreaking yeah this was a series that challenged you know this sort of pc-ness of television which um i guess we're seeing a return of kind of in certain shows sort of sort of but um, just the way they were able to, they were definitely able to get away with more back then. Like we didn't yeah. have the FCC and all these sensors and stuff like that. So it was just, just different. I love Lucy. Oh yeah. Classic. Absolute classic. Uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz changed television. One of the best comedians 
went man or woman um Lu- lucille ball was just brilliant yeah um in that role number three were my personal favorites seinfeld yeah <laughs> <laughs> the show about nothing um it it i like i don't know if it's well there's definitely shows that sort of replicate this you know atlanta is somewhat in that vein um curb your enthusiasm of course but a show about horrible people yeah um but it's, it's classic just classic you've got cheers at number two um i remember this on naked night yeah uh, I, that's when i used to watch it all the time and i thought i was like part of the gang because i was so into it even as just like a kid yeah yeah um and then number one is the longest running sitcom ever the simpsons um who would think this animated series that almost got canceled right at one point would still be on in what is like 26 27 season or something yeah one okay one one i forgot to mention on the list is Frasier. I absolutely love that show. Yes. And yeah. that's one I've seen from beginning to end, surprisingly. Yes. It's um, so funny. So funny. So Chris. And I don't know how this um reboot is going to go. Yeah. And I just want to add that I went through the list and look, I'll say this. I know Shit's Creek is the new hot thing. Everybody loves it. It's won all these awards. And they put it 100, which is probably where it deserves to be. Mm-hmm. But how the hell did they not put the nanny on there? Like, Yeah, that was missing. That's that was nuts. missing. And something else I did not see. I thought of later. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, that kind of threw me. I was like, where? Yeah. Where's the nanny? Certain shows I thought would be on there weren't. Yeah. I mean, but the nanny, you want to talk about Nick and Knight. Like, I was, I didn't miss an episode. I was like, all right, I'll be in my room. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. I'm going through it now on HBO. Oh, okay. It's That's... just classic. Yeah. Classic. Because then uh, the, we'll move on. But then you have to think, like, I, at least I don't think I said it, but, but everybody loves Raymond should be on there. I think. Think it was on there, but oh, I can't remember it? where. Maybe I just missed it then, because I was like, that that has to be on there. <laughs> yeah, I think it was in like the yeah, it's number thirty-five. Okay, okay, maybe I just skipped over it then. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I was surprised that some of them, some of them were a little higher, like Friends at thirty-eight. Yeah. I yeah. guess. I mean, I had already always enjoyed it, but I think they just gave more respect to the older shows like Mash and. Yeah, you know, sort of pioneers, definitely. Yeah. So do you watch many sitcoms now? And are they single camera, multi? Do they have a laugh track? Like what? what's your take on them today? If I watch, oh God, a sitcom now, it is something I've already seen. I mean, I watched like the animated ones. Bob's Burgers would be the top one I watch and it's always sunny, but um as for like laugh track things no like nothing new like nothing that's been on a netflix it would literally be like me going back and watching the fresh prince like it just yeah i don't know it just it just doesn't hold my attention like they're good for passing time like (laughs) i watch reba's show in the morning because it's always on (laughs) yeah i do but it's so good and like I'll, i'll watch it you get a laugh in and then you get your day started but i'm not making time on my schedule for like, oh, okay, let me pencil in, you know, 8.30, sit down and watch so-and-so. Right, right. Yeah, I I um, I can watch them, but I they're not sort of must-see TV lot right. things. Like, yeah. for instance, I really enjoy both Keenan and Young Rock on NBC. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and watch it live. I'll catch it the next day. Uh, yeah exactly you know both of those neither one of those have laugh tracks they're multi-camera so it feels like today right because on the other hand jamie fox's show on netflix and even mike epps show that debuts tomorrow um 
they're more of the traditional. I don't know if that carries well today. Yeah, I don't think it does. It's just, it's awkward. It's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do know the ones that come to head of Laugh Track I enjoyed was the rebooted one day at a time. Oh, okay. It was able to um, be funny and wholesome, but still tackled a lot of serious topics throughout. It wasn't just like one episode was serious or whatever. It was, it was really good. Unfortunately, it was canceled again. So I'm not really sure where you can watch it right now, but yeah, it was decent. Um, but yeah, if I do watch, you know, a half hour show is definitely next day or it will have to be like in Atlanta or in pure yeah. where it, it's new and going to sort of push the, the envelope. Right. Right. It, w- little bit off topic but you said insecure and it just trips me out man every time i think about Issa ray i think about you literally sent me a video sent me a link to her videos the awkward black girl mm-hmm. and then you know i've watched all of those and then she just blew up she just went from youtube to to just like boom it's just it's crazy how her trajectory has gone but like she deserves it because she's hilarious Right, yeah. And you know, now she has her own production company that's right, right, developing shows left and right. She's no executive producer for a black lady sketch show, which is hilarious. So yeah, it's the sitcom has definitely spawned, you know, just generations of laughter and shows and new shows and will will continue. It I don't think it will ever go away, it'll just look, you know, different exactly. All righty. So what are you streaming for the weekend? Okay. So the two things I plan on streaming this weekend are both new to Netflix. Well, one, both new seasons. And uh, one is Love, Death, and Robots, which we've been talking about. That's the series that's animated and just kind of gives different stories and different animation about how we connect with technology in our lives and what they may look like in the future. And then the second one is, I absolutely, I want to say it's my guilty pleasure. I love ghost shows. I love things about haunted stuff. I don't care how fake it looks. Like, I will sit down and watch it. And there's a series called Haunted that comes back on for its third season that um, I'm planning on checking out. They usually just have, I want to say, maybe five or six episodes. So, All right. All right. Yeah. Me, um, it's pretty compact, but, you know, we'll designate if I return with good news or bad news, depending on how the show goes. Mm-hmm. Um, first first up, Mike Epps' Netflix sitcom, The Upshaws, debuts this week. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping it's good. Um, Sarah Skim, Wanda Sykes, and uh, Kim Fields. I almost said Rajin Fields, that's not right. Kim Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to support, you know, any native there. Right. We've got uh, Netflix's Castlevania returning for its final season on Thursday. This is the anime series based on the video game. We also have uh, sitcom Hacks um, starring Gene Smart on HBO Max. So that should oh, be wow. pretty good. That drops Thursday. And then Friday, uh, Amazon Prime will premiere its new series, limited series, The Underground Railroad, yeah. uh, based on Colson Whitehead's book and directed by Barry Jenkins. I've seen nothing but great things about this. They're saying this is sort of like Barry's greatest accomplishment. And oh, wow. a lot of people are saying that he's the only one that could handle the topic. material right and make it you know, lush and interesting and wanting more of it. So wow. I'm definitely looking forward to that this Friday. Thank you for listening to It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brendan and Lauren. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe, share, and review on your platform of choice. And if you want more, follow us on social at AS Life Podcast and visit our website for more content. Streamable Life, <clears throat> streamablelife.wordpress.com. Dot com. Now, next week, our feature presentation will be the season finale of The Nevers. Um, as far as I know, I saw a tweet that said next week was the final episode. So, yeah, 
Okay. We'll be, we'll be reviewing episode five and six. Until then, keep on streaming. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Live. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast.